The following episode of Fofop is classified MA. It contains some coarse language, some nudity, drug references, a sex scene, time travel, terrible Batman impersonations, a Charlie Clausen pronounced Clausen shaped hole, and mild coarse language. Fofop advises that the program is not suitable for persons under the age of 15, and minors must be accompanied by an adult guardian or priest. This is John Deke speaking. There hasn't been any great advances in prison rape or space travel. The father of in the holy choice. Hello and welcome to Fofop. I'm Will Anderson and joining me, uh, guest Charlie Rove McManus. Hello, Rove. Thank you, Will. Good to be here. Uh, so we just did the live Fofop at the LA Podcast Festival. Let's put it out there. Let's not yep. lie to the people. Oh, I don't like to lie to the people. So are we doing this in order? Have they heard that yet? No. Nah. This will oh, go. This will so go good. up before the the podcast. Look, I, I'm going to call it. It was a really, really good show. I was, was happy a with how solid man. show. Although in the in the past, uh, when we did the Superpod at the Melbourne International Comedy <laughs> Festival, the next podcast we did was about how good the Superpod was, and then no one recorded it. Yeah. So now that's right. we probably shouldn't that's be right. talking this up as like how good it was. But I I must admit, for the first ever live faux fop. Um, I was amazed. The room was full. Room was, was full. Great. There was uh, about halfway through. There were people that had arrived late. Um, who it was so it was standing room up the back, which is always yep. nice to see. Yeah, yeah. People were yeah standing in the door, it was and really I fun. and they were really into it. Very positive right from the get go. And I thought this won't last. Yep. I know, I know what comedy audiences are like. They're not going to stick with this. Oh, you love us now, but after you know, give us thirty minutes of just dribbling shit, and you'll quit on us. And then the Batman stuff kicked in, and I thought, well, we've lost them now. They're going to their eyes will glaze over. No, nah, they stuck with it. I uh, love the, them. The thing that because the thing and is, you that, know who you are. If you, if you were in the audience today, you were listening to this now. Right, pat yourself you on the back great. right now. You were great. Yeah. You deserved it. Um, I, I did love the audience. I thought they were fantastic, particularly because they're at a festival. Mm. Because the thing is, like, if we were just doing a live faux fob, then they've come out that night just to see us. Good point. But we did 70, 75 minutes of a show today, but they might see four or five shows They've today. seen a lot of talking. Right. They have seen a lot of talking. And uh, essentially <laughs> all podcasts are exactly the same, just people sitting around talking. <laughs> About what they think is interesting. Right. For me, which Batman I'd have sex with in order. <laughs> <laughs> Now, one of the things I brought up was it was weird for me. Yes. To do it in front of an audience, because normally it's just the two of us and we're mm-hmm. looking at each other and we're just yes. having a discussion and it's us wherever we might happen to be anywhere on the planet. Correct. And to suddenly have people in front of you, the the stand-up in you kicks in, the comic kicks in to go, I need to make them laugh. Oh, you definitely go for a lot more badly. jokes. There wasn't as yeah. much philosophy. No, no, no. There's a couple of times where it got into philosophy and we're like, oh, stop it, stop no, it. No, fuck this. Oh, they're thinking. Stop them thinking. Do a funny voice. Do a funny voice, There was please. a lot of funny voices. I stand by that. Surprising amount of funny voices. I think everyone had a crack at it. Did you? Yeah, I think I you, yeah, you did a Christian Bale. Oh, that's true. That's about the only... Well, I mean, the warning of the show does say terrible Batman impersonation. So I feel like I need to put one in just so that Deeks, John, John so Deeks that isn't Deeks job has been sure. done. <laughs> you don't want to make a liar out of him. I... Uh, um, Last time I saw you, and this is where I just want to start this tale, if sure. I may, uh, was at the AFL Grand Final. Oh yes, of course. So we saw we're in LA at the moment, but we saw each other a week ago. 
In fact, what, a week ago today? It was a week ago today, that's right. A week ago today, uh, and we were in Australia, and I was lucky enough. In fact, it's a very podcast circle, because I uh, went to, uh, I was in the Channel 10 corporate box Mm -hmm. uh, with Charlie, who, you know. Yes, that's right. Right. Uh, We both work for other networks. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Which the whole time we felt like really naughty kids, like neither of us work for this network and we're in their corporate box on grand final day. And Charlie and I had already had like the best day. Like we, cause we, we both caught 6am flights from Sydney. We'd gone to the Bulldogs oh, breakfast. Right. Uh-huh. Um, I did a show the night before at the Enmore. So I've what you know, when you wake up, so my alarm went off at four and you know, when you wake up and you went, Oh, I feel okay. Oh, still drunk. <laughs> you know, and you know, okay, well, if I can just get through to a point where I can start drinking again, I'll be okay. Yes. Because you know you've got a long day ahead. Right. There's a long day ahead. But it's AFL Grand Final Day, so I didn't mind. As soon as we got to the Bulldogs breakfast, which was 9.30, that started in the morning, like the first beers came around and I was like, yes, thank you, I'm going to get into this. So by the time we got to the Channel 10 corporate box, I'd probably had six beers. And that is, they ply you with alcohol. My God, there was like an open bar. There's party pies. There's spirits. There's party pies. I love that you love that there's party pies, but there were spirits. (laughs) There were spirits. Champagne. Like, and beer and all those sort of things. So, Charlie and I are having, like, we're like, we're in the hangover. We're wedding crashes. We are the wedding, we are the football crashes. We're just like the two guys who've come in that everyone's kind of like, don't they work for other networks? Why are they here? <laughs> Why are they taking all their free stuff? But you were there. I was there with my mum. With your mum. Now, yes. tell people, run me through this because it was a very different day for Charlie and I who didn't have a dog oh, in the fight. Oh, God. Yeah. Okay. For those who don't know, one of the teams playing in this year's uh, AFL Australian Rules Football uh, Grand Final. It's the Super Bowl of Australian sport. Of Australian uh, people who like to kick the ball rather than throw the ball. Uh, was uh, the Fremantle Dockers. Now, this is my team. Yes. That when You it were start- formerly the number one ticket holder, were you I not? was, which is just sort of an honorary title, which means you're, you know, the f- the the media face of of the club. I need to point out, though, I know that you're downplaying that a little bit, but the number one ticket holder at my club, the Bulldogs, is the former Prime Minister of Australia, Julia Gillard. She was the number one ticket holder while she was Prime Minister of Australia. So you were also number one ticket holder of your club. And I was. I did. I held that title for longer than anyone else. And longer than she was Prime Minister. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> There's at least one thing that she got to take away from it. Do I still, do I still, still get my number one ticket holder? Oh God, okay, cool. For, who cares about the prime ministership? Fuck it. So, um, so yes, very passionate about the club. It's uh, 19 years young, uh, and there are other and have yet to win, yet to even play in a grand final. Hadn't played in a grand final. Let alone, let alone even even win one. Right. And there are other teams that have have come into the league. After us, mm-hmm. younger teams. Yes, I'm looking at you, Port Adelaide, who have won the grand final. Not yes. only been there, but won it multiple times. Just and before, but just before you get too whingy about that, my team's been in the competition for 110 years and has been in the grand final twice for one win. That's, that's the last time they were in the grand final was 1961. Odds. That's bad. Odds. Last Saturday, Hawthorne won their 11th premiership. You know when they won <laughs> their first one against my team in 1961, and they've won 11 since, and we've never been back to the grand final. So. Uh, anyway, we should go into this because I will... <laughs> not good, right. not good. Fair enough. But just because I have a worse story doesn't mean that your story's <laughs> not bad. <laughs> uh, and um, yeah, so I was uh, offered tickets to the yes. grand final, and so at, absolutely I was going to take them. So flew I back though. Flew back. Flew from, back from, from America. Los Angeles. So I said yes, I will do that. You got to do it. I um, 
because I had been back about a month before and uh, bumped into uh, uh, Dave Hughes, a popular Australian comedian, loves his football, and said to me, that, mate, the Dockers, they're doing well. And, uh, and I said, yeah, 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 like really excited, looking forward to it. And he said, uh, you've got to come back. You've yeah. got to come back. And I was like, you know what? I think I will. Of course you got to. And I'd always said if ever they made the grand final, I'd be there. But I was thinking I will dry- walk from my house in Melbourne to the football park right. in Melbourne. Or maybe I'm in another city. I didn't think it's flying halfway across the world. So I said to my mum. You've got to do it, man. Do you want to come? I've she lived said, for 40 yes. years and never seen it. You've got I to fucking had, do it. Uh, and it went nuts. If you're if you're an Australian and you don't give a shit about Aussie rules football or you're from another state who doesn't give a shit about the Dockers or if you're from another country and you're like, what is this thing that you're talking about? Yep. This was such a big deal for the small city that I'm from on the west coast of Australia that tickets were getting up to less than what I paid. And let's not deny it. I don't I don't fly where I have to stay upright the whole time. You didn't fly down the back of the plane. I get I get to no. lie down yeah. where I am on the plane. Yeah. It was still cheaper. I mean you're a tiny man, so you could lie down. Yeah, anywhere I'm in on the, the overhead plane. locker. Let's right. not deny. <laughs> yeah. I'm on the little baby I'm on the baby change table. <laughs> but like, you're lying down. Like a like they put what, it down, down the front an old bunny cartoon where there's like a, a criminal who has is like a baby faced criminal who disguises himself as a baby to hide from the cops. Anyone? You Anyone? Just, you just rock up to the airport in a nappy with a dummy please ta- in your mouth. Please take care of my child. Note scrawled in like bad left hand writing. So, uh, so, but it was less expensive for me to fly internationally than it was for people to fly domestically to get there because the air- airlines went, we're going to charge a fortune because everybody's going to go. At the breakfast this. we went to that morning, they were asking people how they got there. Uh-huh. At the table we were at, some people had flown via Bali. Yes. Some people had flown via New Zealand. I had a cousin that went to New Zealand and then came through Melbourne. And, and there was somewhere else that they'd flown through as well. But it basically was cheaper to fly... Out of Australia, yes, it was cheaper to get your Take passport. Your passport. <laughs> yes, go to another country and then fly into Melbourne than it was I had, to fly direct. I had a, a, an aunt and an uncle who flew to Adelaide, so just past the middle of Australia, and then drove the rest. Of, they got a, a, a rental car and drove the rest of the way to get there. So, uh, so there was no way we were going to miss this. My sister came over. Uh, I've got also uh, when the club first started, I had uh, a cousin that was part of the team. Uh, another cousin that was the the coach of the team and other relatives that were part of the coaching staff. So there was a real family connection to this club. So to get there and watch them play on the big day was great. And then the, the fact that there were party pies and there was whiskey and there's scones with jam and cream at halftime. But I've got to say, like, and, and not a great game. Well, we tried to, Charlie and I were having a good time and we were enjoying ourselves, but you and your mum were there and you were quite near us. But, I knew, like, you were nervous, which I was is nervous. fair enough, of course. I, That's what you should be. It hit me way too late what was happening. I've been to grand finals before. I've yep. been lucky enough to be, be grand finals before. I've watched grand finals. Yep. Even if, and anybody would know this experience, the first time someone takes you to uh, a sporting event final and yep. you don't even know what it is, or even any, any game, you pick a team and you cheer for that team because uh, that helps you under, understand the game better. Right. So I've had the experience of being at grand finals before or watching grand finals, and you just pick which one you right. want to. And you can be even disappointed or happy if they win, Absolutely. Right? I was uh, there one year. It was West Coast versus Sydney. And even though I'm from the West Coast of Australia, we have a bit of a rivalry with the Eagles. Yep. And that wasn't the reason. I was cheering for Sydney. I was, I was on their side because I thought it would be good for the game. If, if the, the, the win goes to 
New South Wales, which is a predominantly rugby league state. 2005. This is right. Game. Yes. When they won. Yeah. I performed at a very close game. I performed at the Swans breakfast that morning. Ah. And so I had tickets in the like they got me grand final tickets and I had tickets with all the Swan the actual hardcore Swans fans. Sure. And as I'd never seen my own team play in the grand final and because I'd performed at their breakfast that morning and I was with all their fans like I was really you know, and I live in Sydney, so I was like, you know, I was so excited. And at the end of the game, like, I was hugging strangers. <laughs> like, I was just like, this is the greatest thing I've ever done. And I was like, I'm not even sure I could handle if my own team were playing. No. And I saw a little bit of that in your face. Well, it, it, it's you turn up on the day, and there's so much going on. And as you're going into the ground, it was really nice because I've got Amazing. a lot of fellow Fremantle supporters. And not only am I wearing the colours, but obviously, you know, they are aware who I am and they know I support the club. I'm very vocal about that. And so you just kind of get caught up in the here we all are together. It's my favourite day of the year. And then you turn up and it was, we sat down, we got our seats, we're just sort of taking it all in. And then it kind of hit me that, right, the team that you are supporting today is not just pick a side. No. This is the one that you have cheered for. The one that... Five years ago, six years ago, was a bit of a laughing stock. Yeah. That was sort of the younger sibling of the league where everyone would tussle them on the hair and go, off you go. Oh, good oh, on you. Good on them for having a Good crack. on you, Frio. Yeah, good on you. They're never going to win. But good, yeah, no, nah, good on you. Yeah, you did well. You did really, really well trying to play that thing. Uh, and they've had peaks and troughs and all that sort of stuff. So to be there on the day was, I kept saying, it's... Uh, a win would just be the icing on the cake. The right. fact that they're even there is enough. If they win, it would be the icing on the cake. But let's be honest, icing is the best part of a cake. Well, it's the best part. I don't need to tell I you that. I don't even want fucking cake. I just, <laughs> just want give a me ca- the icing. I just want, no. No, I want a cake with icing on it, but then I just want to eat the icing and leave the cake. One of the coolest things... Because it, it tastes better on a cake. Oh. I don't know why it is, but it's like it's nice to eat icing off a cake. Then it is to eat icing by itself. If you can get one of those piping bag things and they just squirt it into your mouth. Still to this day, one of the (laughs) coolest people I know is my mother for the fact that one of the coolest things she has ever done was she once with uh, uh, another auntie of mine uh, made up a batch of cake mix Uh just to eat the cake mix. We've all been there. And Will Anderson, I'm sure you have as well. Oh, yeah. As you're making a cake... And usually you're licking the spoon at the end or the, the beta things and you go, oh, how great would it be just to like eat the cake mix and not turn it into a cake? Right. They did that. And not, let's when they not were... bake the, you know what? Let's not bake the cake. They went, let's make cake mix to eat cake mix. I love it. I came out of that I woman. I love it. I came out of that woman. And I'm proud. I I'm give, a very I, proud If man. I'd known this before last Saturday, <laughs> I would have given her a high five and she wouldn't have understood why. Uh, Will, this is my mum. Oh, the cake mix lady. Yeah. High five. High five. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so when it hit me on the day, holy shit, like the team that's about to run out is right. the one I actually support. I did go and grab one of the complimentary whiskeys from the back of the room. I could see it in your face. like it was, And I, and I com- completely understood it. It was... I mean, and that's how you should be. Oh, and then the worst part was they didn't have a great game. Uh, the the AFL game gets played in quarters. Yes. So the first quarter, they didn't do very well, but neither did the opposition. The thing that I would say about the first quarter was that, and and from an outsider's perspective, because some people were like, oh, I wasn't the greatest guy. But here's, here's something that I enjoy about the grand final. It's the pinnacle of the game. Mm-hmm. Like it's a thing that everyone's dreaming about. And you know what your team were? They were in the grand final for the first time and they got overwhelmed oh, by the experience. Themselves. And I liked that. 
because it reminded me that this is a big fucking deal. Like we were talking about this in regard to comedy uh, just yeah before we were uh, we were chatting about something and that idea of remembering that things are meant to be exciting. Yes. Remembering that things are meant to be terrifying. That sometimes if you're backstage or whatever and you're about to do something really terrifying and you get terrified, then that's okay. Yeah, Because I sometimes it's okay to be terrified. The, the first time I – and I've told this story many, many times, but it's, it's relevant here. Uh, the first time I got to do The Tonight Show and I was right. on as a guest, mm-hmm. flown from the other side of the world to come and do it. Uh, well, actually, I flew myself, but right. the invite was there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> still flew. They said, wherever you are, and I was if like, you can be here. And I was there. I right. was there. It may as well have been my grand final. Yeah. And well, of course. This going is to show. walk out and looking at the back of the set, I had this feeling, a very calming feeling of, well, this looks like the back of our set. Yeah. This is, it's TV. And TV, You've I done like plenty TV. of TV. I can do this. You've this hosted one, your own show for years. This one isn't even live. Right. So I'm good to go. It's fine. And then uh, had this very sharp feeling uh, as something kind of, uh, I felt like it was like a whack across the back of the head, like your mother would give, which was kind of like, but this isn't like any other no. TV. This is the Tonight Show. It's, it's, a tonight a, show. it's a big deal. Take that in. So I feel that the Dockers, uh, my football team, going into it, I was like, these guys are so confident. They're right. ready to go. To them, it's like, it's just another game. Right. It's just another game. It's just another game. Same rules. And then they got out there and went, this is not a, just another game. Oh, shit. So well, because end- what, what people might not understand is – uh, on grand final day, that was the biggest crowd that the Dockers have ever played in front of as well. And it is raucous. And there's a lot of distractions. There's a, a parade lot. they have to do the day before. There's a breakfast they have to attend. All this kind of stuff. And they only got in like two, two days before. There's the all the entertainment and all that sort of stuff. Like it's a big day. Yeah. It, there's all this stuff put in front of them to not think about the big thing that they're right. there to do. So at the end of the first quarter when they weren't doing that well, it was like, well, okay, they got it out of their system. End of the second quarter, we're at halftime. They still haven't got it out of their system. No. It's, it's still there. It and, was in their system a little. Still. And uh, so I uh, I had this horrible feeling, and I'm sure they had it too, of just going, we are back to where we were, where it's almost like the everybody's going to go, oh, jeez, they, yeah. they got to the main stage and they couldn't deliver. They... It's back to where we were. It's all like, ah, oh, well, you know, maybe someone else should have had a shot. If you really, right. maybe they're not ready yet. All that kind of stuff. And um, so uh, I sent a, a text message to my wife, who I have left pregnant yep. on the other side of the world yep. to come and watch this game. And <laughs> she was going to bed and she said, how's it looking? And I said, still only one goal right. and uh, at halftime. And she said, "Well, it's not on, not over till the final siren sounds," and so, which was very optimistic of her. So we get into the second half of the game. They start with a, they have a little bit of a flourish, mm-hmm. and they get themselves back up to you know within striking distance. And then I was fine. Then I was calm because I was like, even if they don't win from here, that's interesting. They've shown that they can do it, right? And they've got themselves out of we're midway through the game, and still we've only kicked one goal. So suddenly I just went, it's okay now. If it wasn't about win. so for a bit for you. It wasn't about like winning. It was about but it was about me you- being embarrassed. <laughs> don't you make me leave that. Do you know how vocal I have been about this club? If I walk out and people go, oh, McManus, only one goal, I will hunt down all 22 of you and I will I will 
gut you and I will string your bits and pieces into a scarf that I will fashion around myself and the many, many colours will still not clash with the purple, red, green and white that we had when we started. I would love if uh, if that had happened and at the end of the and game... That's why I'm not number one ticket holder anymore. At the end of the game, the cameras go, like go up to the Channel 10 <laughs> box where you're sitting and you just leaned out the window gladiator style and just put your thumb down. Or like, drew it across my neck. <laughs> <laughs> Ripped up your old number one ticket yep. and just threw it to the ground. And uh, so they got to the end of the game, and uh, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit here. So uh, I spoilers for people who haven't watched the game. <laughs> yes, I have never had uh, such a close affinity with uh, sports people ever, ever, ever in my life. Right. I have a cousin who uh, who played the game. Sean McManus. Sean, number eight. I've done um, surgery on him. Uh, you've what? I've done surgery on him. What'd you do? Uh, he does a radio show now in Perth. Yes, he does. Uh, the Nova Breakfast Show, he which does. is a very fun show. Like it's, Nat and Shawnee Mac. That's yeah. him. And uh, I do that show every time I uh, go to Perth. Sure. Uh, Perth's Breakfast Radio, Rove. I don't know if you've done a lot of Perth Breakfast Radio. I assume <laughs> you have over the years. Yes. Some of it's awesome. And some of it, and I know the guys that I'm about to talk about, I know they listen to this podcast. So uh, this is not me having a crack. It kind of is, but it's not really. They were it's trying a to bubble over there. They were trying to do something fun. Right. It was just not my sort of fun. They know that I like Batman. So this is 6.30 in the morning <laughs> and I've rocked in to this Perth Breakfast Radio show and like they're like, oh, we've got a surprise for him. And already at 6.30 in the morning when you've flown no over to Perth surprises. the night before and you're doing Breakfast Radio rounds, you don't want surprises. You know what the surprise is? That I'm up. I'm up in here. That's the surprise. <laughs> that should be... Be happy with that yeah. and take it for what it is. Right. I, I had an extra show. I've got some seats to sell. I'm here. That's the surprise. How about that? Um, so I've gone in and I realise I spot them in the studio and they are dressed like Robin and Catwoman. Like... Oh, dear Like dressed God. up. Like fully see, dressed up. See, now this up. I don't get because you can't see it's that. It's Radio Rove. But everybody... It's Radio Rove. It's theatre of the mind. How do I hear? If this that is a you, podcast. We you could sound like you're dressed like. Cat we Woman. could say that we're dressed like Catwoman and Robin. Well, now. I wasn't going to, but here we are. Let's right. get it out of the bag. And people could just imagine. Let's that. let the Catwoman out of the bag. They could imagine that with their brains. Seriously, we have a woman dressed like a cat in a bag. It's in the weird that we do she, that. She's suffocating. Yeah, we were going to throw hard. off the Santa Monica Pier, which is awful. <laughs> horrible. It's awful. I'm not sure doing? why we did that. We've left horrible evidence of this podcast. I mean, why we? Why are we still saying it? Oh my god. Maybe if we say it enough, people think it's a joke. I must be. Yeah. So you're there. It's 6.30 in the morning. 6.30 in the morning. And they're dressed as Robin and Catwoman. That's adorable. But they have a bat suit that they want me to get into. But there's only two of them, Will. Yeah. Who's going to wear a bat suit? They literally want When there's only two of them, Will. They wanted me to get into a bat suit at 6.30 in the morning. Theatre of the mind. For radio. Theatre of the mind. To go on radio. To sell tickets. Can't I pretend? That's what's going to get. Do you know what? That's what's going to. If I am the sort of person who would get into a bat suit to do a fucking five minute breakfast radio interview, I would expect people who were coming to my show to give back their tickets. (laughs) To go, no. Well, before you even get that far, when you say, if I was the type of person who would be wearing a bat suit at 6 30 in the morning, firstly, who is that person? No one. Who is the person who is wearing a bat suit? No one is. If you are a person who's wearing a bat suit at 6 30 in the morning, you had better be Batman on your way home from work going, I've left this a bit late. The sun's coming. Coming up, they're going to work out that it's me sneaking into the back of this mansion. Or at least maybe you're Batman and you've been out, like, you know, rooting someone. It's like the walk of shame. <laughs> like, he's got his bat shoes in his hand. The cows looking a bit crooked. 
Were you wearing that last night? <laughs> hey, uh, no, it was my fresh morning cow. This is the same belt. Is it though? Come on. I just could have sworn it was the same one. <laughs> His belt's on backwards. So did you did you politely decline or did you have to accept? Oh, no. I, well, I couldn't. I mean, I I normally like to roll with it. Like, you know, because you want uh, – here's the thing. I, that's why I'm not trying – I don't want to, like, be mean to these dudes. Sure. Because normally you're like, you know – They've done some research. Right. They've and done they, their homework. They like, you know, they like the show. They understand like, like Batman, right? They like Batman. And they've taken a comical risk. Like I, I appreciate, I appreciate those. Oh, things. there's your show title for this one. There's your rep title. Right. Taking a comical risk. They've taken a comical risk. Yes. But here's the thing. A, the I'm riskiest not, risk of all the risks uh, is a comical risk. But here's what I would be happy to do: pretend that I'm dressed like Batman. Yes. If they said, you know, hey, even mind. if they were dressed as Batman and Robin, uh, like it's Robin and Catwoman, and they said, hey, can you pretend you're dressed like Batman? Yes. Yes, I can because it's radio. I actually can. It's very easy for me Nobody to pretend. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. I just make some grunting noises and ruffle the cape a bit. But here's what I'm not going to do. I'm a do. listener. Oh, he's in the suit. If it was actually the bat suit, like if it was like, hey, we've got Christian Bale's bat suit from the Batman movies. Sure. Guess what I would fucking do? Get in that bat suit. Lock it up. In a minute. You wouldn't get me out of that bat suit. Nah. That'd be your only problem. Sweat on sweat. Exactly. I would nude up. Lube myself up and then slip into that bat suit, mm-hmm. and I would wear it to my shows. Not just the Dark Knight, but every part rises. Every That's what's part going would on. rise. Exactly. That's what's going on. That is, but not some. So let me guess. Not some they didn't shot. have like they didn't have like a Hollywood quality. It looked like bat suit. Uh, there was a you, you know on um, Hollywood shocking. Boulevard. <laughs> Oh dear! <laughs> the people who like dresses like Spider Man or sure. Batman. Now, when you say dress as Spider Man, you yep. mean a man in a <laughs> Spider Man mask who is wearing a blue jumper and red tracksuit pants. <laughs> that is what that I mean. That guy who is drawn in black magic marker <laughs> Sharpie texter on his chest, what looks like a spider but has six legs. You mean that dressing up? <laughs> that is exactly sure. what I mean. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, so it was that one. It was. It looked. Ter- it was just like, oh no, no, no! I did my hair, <laughs> and and so what did you do? Did you have to politely decline on it? No, I, 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 no, I impolitely declined on air like you know because i thought that would be funny for their show yes like i mean the thing is i don't want to like be an asshole and let yeah you know, they're trying to fill a thing and they're gonna if you're a comical show. asshole they're like but, yeah. oh he's, pl- he's doing right. a thing this so that's a what i did i they did a whole thing of like you know braiding them about like you know the idea of it, it was theater of the mind and we could just be nice. pretending and all these so i just beat them at their own game right but the only reason I brought that up really was... And then was, my cousin walked in and you had to operate on him? Is that yes. what happened? Gotcha. So I, I was only bringing that, that up That was their backup plan. Sometimes like a stunt's <laughs> fun. If not the Batman suit, will you take this guy's appendix out? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Again, guys, theatre of the mind. No, really. It's <laughs> no, yeah, no, his appendix has to come out. He's, yeah. he's in real trouble. Yeah, I don't know why we still made him come in. I mean, the weird thing he is... He should be we in a hospital. Like, <laughs> he said, my appendix hurt, I'm going to die. And someone said, oh, that's talkability. And they went, whoop, whoop, whoop. Save that for tomorrow morning. <laughs> Could you save that until Friday? It's a rating survey. We kicks, it kicks in on Friday. Friday, 8.20. We'll have them out. Will Anderson's coming in. It'll be brilliant. Yeah, apparently, he loves this stuff. Well, this I was actually going to... The, the reason I brought it up is I'm not anti a radio bit of fun or stunt. Why would you be? So, uh, when I went in and did uh, your cousin's show... Sure. I've done a couple of stunts for them over the years. So, last time I was in, that morning, the Batman thing happened. Uh, it was during the election... And they were uh, getting people to choose who was going to win the election mm-hmm. by what they would do is uh, they would blindfold you. Right. And then they would spin you around in a circle so that you didn't like, you know, and they had pictures of the candidates up on sure, the wall. Sure. And then you would throw a Vegemite sandwich at 
the oh, things and whoever our, it hit. Our former Prime Minister, Julia Gillard, had a sandwich thrown out. Had a sandwich thrown Very out. topical. Right. Very topical. So it was satirical almost. <laughs> it is. It's a little bit too highbrow for breakfast radio. But that's kind of fun. Like, I mean, I get that. That's a, And, you know, you're happy to spin I'd around. i to that at 6.30 in the morning. Right. You're happy to spin around and throw a sandwich sure. at a... I mean, it's not some weird Batman suit thing. That's good fun. So um, the last time that I was in there... Uh, the previous time I was in there, and I think you can still find this on the internet because they did film and put up on the internet. Sean had uh, a blood bl- blister Ooh. under his, one of his nails. So you know when you oh. if you've ever seen one of those, and his whole like thumb is it's, swollen, it's and you can well. see it underneath. Yep. And the only way that you're going to relieve that is you have to put a pin through the it. nail, release the pressure, and release the pressure from underneath. Wait a minute! At this point, I'm going bring out the bat suit. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> You have to. What are you going to have to do? Have you, is it a nail? Is you it want, a pin? Yeah, I had like a pin oh, that I had get to. Out. Yeah, press through his nail to like burst the blood vessel. Who are these people? <laughs> My God! I know it's early, and I know you're living in the west coast of Australia, in the world's most isolated capital city, and it's very early in the morning, and you're trying to make entertainment. But holy shit, people! <laughs> And did you do it? Yeah, I did it. Oh, man. Successfully. Braver man than Still I. Still got the thumb. Well, actually. Technically, I'm a doctor. I did. Yes. <laughs> you and Yahoo Serious both. <laughs> so I have yet to make the connection with the comedy performer and the uh, AFL uh, player till I got to uh, they have uh, an after party function. Oh, okay. Yep. Yep. And uh, I don't think it's telling tales out of school. That obviously we're all a bit disappointed. We kind of felt like you know it, it was ours for the taking. Yep. They they had two uh, the Dockers had two flourishes during the game and uh, there was a, and uh, like their best player probably on the day uh, missed two goals missed early two on. Go- goals they just you know it just wasn't their day. It just wasn't their day. I would say they they uh, didn't play the game they should have played. So it was more that they lost the game rather than the other guys won. Yep. No, no, I can, I can see if you were a team and you walked away from that. The same way as sometimes you walk away from a stand-up gig and you're like, that was the audience's fault. I did the best job I possibly could, but it was just a tough crowd. And herein lies the connection. Okay, This great. is exactly right. how it came out. Very, very astute. So we're all afterwards kind of going, well, you know, it was all good and all. And then as it came out, even the, the players... Uh, when they arrived at the at the event after the game, and the coach, we're all like, I I I had gotten over it. Everyone I knew had gotten over it. We're all just happy to be there, and we kind right. of went, look, fifteen point loss was not that bad. It could have been worse, and that's great. It's very respectable. And as someone said to me after the game, if someone had told you at the start of the year you're going to lose the ground, I think it was Charlie Clawson actually. If you uh, someone told you at the start of the year you We'll be at the grand final, but you're going to lose it by 15 points. You'd take that. You'd take it. You'd take that. No, it would have been the best. That would have been a result better than anyone would have expected. Absolutely. Yeah. And for us, that's the best result we've ever had ever. Yeah. So we had kind of let all that wash over us by the time we got to this uh, dinner function thing at the end of the night. Uh, but the players have come out and it was like before they walked out, they were they relived the game while watching their most beloved family member get killed in front of them. Mm. That's how they looked. Yeah. Like when you, if any fans of Survivor listening to this, when they bring out the loved ones, there's always that one episode towards the end. Yes. It's, it's been close to 39 days yes. and suddenly out come the loved ones. When they go, yes, it's that emotion. And then they go, oh, sorry. And then they shiv them. Yeah. And they're like, that's because of what you did. 
That's your fault. That blood is on your hands. That would be great. In fact, if, I'm actually going to put the blood on your hands. That would be great so on Survivor. The metaphor becomes literal. Because often what they do on Survivor is they bring out the family, but then people have to win a like competition to spend yes, the actual time with their family. True. It'd be great if there was the person who came last, they killed their family. <laughs> Just yes, extra incentive. Yes. This is really, we've taken Survivor. Look, it's season 24. We need some new ideas. <laughs> we're going to make this interesting. We're going to kill one of your family members. We're getting beaten at the Emmys by, um, what was it? Dancing with the Stars, I think, won this year. Right. So we need to turn it yeah. into something a bit more violent. So the players have come out and uh, there was a really nice uh, chant, a Frio chant from from the supporters in the room. Yeah. And uh, the coach uh, came out and he said, no, he said, we didn't come here to lose a grand final. So we appreciate the support, but it, it wasn't good enough for us on the day. And there was this weird sort of feeling of, oh, I'm glad someone has acknowledged it. Mm-hmm. We're you know, so proud of the guys for getting there in the first place, but... You know, it, it would have been so nice. Right. It would have been so nice. So I was talking to uh, the captain, number 29, Matthew Pavlich, afterwards. Super Pav. Super Pav. Slice me up some Pav. Uh, and this is where I believe he and I just became just two human beings who ha- having a shared experience. Right. So I said to him, well done today. Gave him a hug. Said, well done today. And he said, not really. Not really. Uh, we didn't quite do what we wanted to do. And I felt, and I suddenly realized, do you know what I'm doing? I'm doing exactly what someone does to me after yep. I have a shit gig. Well, not even a shit gig. When you- that's, actually, that's true. Because right? it wasn't a shit gig at their end. It was just, there was some jokes that didn't land the way they should have landed for them. Uh, you know what? You'd I- still say it was a good gig. I'll give you a good example, and we actually had this experience, and it'll take us on to what I wanted to talk about anyway, is uh, Montreal Just for Laughs Festival. Uh So the special that uh, we made for Channel 7 uh, is coming out uh, soon, and I had set myself to have a big gala. Like I was closing my gala. It was a really good lineup. I wanted to – I've been to that festival enough now that I I, I was beyond just wanting to do a good job. Uh I wanted to do a really great job. I wanted to do like a – I wanted to have like a nine and a half out of 10 set. And you know what I'd been like for two weeks beforehand, I had done every gig. I was worrying over every word in that set. It was was fascinating. (laughs) Fascinating. Because I don't know. And I did did send you a a message on the night of your gala because I knew you were still stressing about it. Even though, to be fair, you had been shooting a lot of stuff right up to the right. day. I was yep. like, every time I saw you, you were shooting something else for this It special. was very busy. Very uh, yeah. busy. But still, for someone who does the amount of stand-up you do, I, don't, I seriously do not know anybody who works as hard at their stand-up as you do. And yet, like, I, I don't do anywhere near as much stand-up as you do, but I knew the routine I was going to do. We talked about it before on the podcast. I said, yeah. I, I, know, I know what I'm doing. I just got to hone it, just got to get it down to that seven minutes, got to get it tight and got to get it through, but I know what I'm doing. So it was just a matter of me of working that through, oiling it up and getting it all ready to go. Um, but for you, it was like every time I saw you, like, ah, I'm just not sure. Every time I saw you, you were changing it. Yeah. The, the beginning was now the end, and then it was all chopping and changing. And I was like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And then you're working during the day. It was fascinating to see someone who was so on it sitting there going, but it's still not right. It's still not right. It's still and, it, not right. and you know what? And the thing is that, uh, and, and I, I mean, it's even hard even for I'm me. going, you can do this in your sleep. But the difference was that I had set myself. 
because I I know there's like I definitely know there's some growth in my work to come. I can I know where the growth is, but I'm not quite you know just and I'm trying to work through that to get better at what I'm doing. And so I'd set myself a really clear aim about what I wanted to achieve. I felt like I was at a point where I could achieve what I wanted to achieve, but it was about me working it hard enough to get what I wanted right out of it. It was my own aims and ambitions. So I, and, and I only, I mean, it sounds like normally in comedy, you're meant to play down that sort of thing and just be like, but I'm going to be honest about it. I wanted to do a really good job. I wanted to, for people not to just go, he's good from Australia, just to look at any of the world-class comics who are on that lineup and go, well, he fits in here. Sure. I don't have any, I don't expect that I'm, you know, any better than that now, but I'd like to think maybe that, you know, people would look at it and go, okay, well, he is of this level. He mm. belongs in this company. Gotcha. You know? And so, like I said, for the ability that I have now, I wanted to do maybe like a nine, nine and a half out of 10 set. Like that would have been, if I could just nail that, I would have been really happy. And I feel like on the night, I did like an eight and a half out of 10 set. Isn't that funny? And it went really well. I got a partial you, standing ovation. Afterwards, but I was. I saw you, you had literally walked off stage, yeah. and I would have thought you had done a six right. in your mind. Yeah. But that's because, I mean, literally part of the audience stood at the end. It wasn't a full standing ovation, but some of them stood, you know. But I, but I, because, and so I'm just going back to that moment. It was the best set that I had ever done at Montreal. Mm -hmm. You know, it was the best set in that international environment for seven minutes, headlining a really quality show. It was really good. It just wasn't quite what I'd hoped I would get to. Sure. And that's what it would have been like for those guys. Yes. And in that moment, and because I remember that moment, and that's why I brought it up, is you were like, and you saw my face, and you knew, you were just like, fuck you. Like, you were and like, Because I'm also up. sitting there going, because uh, I hadn't seen it. I'd, I'd arrived just right. as the show had finished. So I hadn't seen it, but I was like, and I said, how did it go? And all, all, kind of knowing that, even if it had been a full standing ovation, right. you were probably going to have that same reaction anyway. Because I, I thought going into it, there's just no way that this could deliver what I think you want it to deliver. Right. Even though it probably will, in your mind, it's just, it's not right. And you're right. I think that's what the, the Fremantle players and, and what Pav had had was this feeling of, yeah, but yeah, and for him, probably same as, as you would have or I would have. Like, when are we going to get the chance to do this again? Particularly for a guy like him, yeah. who's at the, he's been a champion of that game. Yeah. But he's at the end of his career. For sure. And he wants to show it on the big stage. Like, he's been a champion. And this is kind of, I mean, again, to kind of draw those analogies, but he's been a champion of his club, but that club has never been able to have an opportunity to compete you want, at that yeah, top level. Yeah, you can understand that for him, much like you, wants to be the guy who was the captain of the side when it finally broke through, the time when Fremantle has suddenly stepped up for people to go, he's the guy, this is the team, they deserve to be in amongst it. Right. Like you were sitting there feeling you wanted to have in Montreal. And I never, never thought that way with sports people before that, yeah, they probably have that same feeling. They they're probably gonna when all of us are going because in the end, I said to him, "Well, you know, but just thanks for getting us here." Yeah. Like that, you have no idea what a huge accomplishment that is. And you know, of course, he's hoping there's another chance to get it and and take that next step. But I'd never ever been able to relate properly to sports people before and suddenly just went oh, I guess we're all the same no matter who you are and what you do you could be a business person who has to give a presentation and you get nervous and it doesn't go the way you want it to or something or you don't land that deal you wanted to you didn't sell that house that you were thought was going to be a shoe in whatever your relatable thing might be 
we all feel the same afterwards. And even if everyone goes, but you did great, no matter what anybody says to you, you're going to come away going, oh, yeah, but for me, I'm not happy. Yeah. I'm not happy. And there's nothing you can say to say and to I, and change look, that. Since that's happened, I've had time to reflect on the idea that I've come to two conclusions about what happened from my perspective. You're going to play AFL now instead? Yeah. Okay, that's the good. first one. That's the first one. I thought that, much easier. I thought uh, once I get my wonky hips fixed, I'm going to get like super hips put in <laughs> and sure. make a comeback. Love it. I did actually have a dream about that the other night. That, that I got my hip operation done. Oh, run, Forrest, run. <laughs> yeah, through something. They just worked really well and I was at like Bulldogs training and I was like having just a kick to kick and suddenly I was kicking at 70 metres and they were like... If you can get off the weed, you can play. <laughs> well, then I'm done. Then I cannot do this. I, I'm not your guy. <laughs> so I can play a few games, but not around the comedy festival. <laughs> um, no, I, I had two realisations uh-huh. about it. I afterwards felt a lot more comfortable because I feel like I did as much work to get that set right as I possibly could. Sure. I didn't feel like I left, you know, I tried everything. I did all the gigs. I tried my best. I, you know, it, and it was good. It was you know, really solid. And people will be able to see it on the TV. The special's uh, coming up in a couple of weeks. So um, you'll be able to see your set and my set and Ronnie Chang and like Sarah Silverman and Dane Cook and oh, like, heaps of it was a good lineup. amazing yeah, people. Good lineup. Eddie Azard, like it's, you know, some really brilliant comedians are on the, on, on, on the show. Um, and lots of good Aussies as well, uh, Kitty and um, Cal Wilson. And, yeah, it's really a, a fun show. Um, but I, um, I I feel like I did the best that I could have done. Sure. But it just reminded me of how much work I still need to do to get to that level. And that's Cause, you know, you hope, not a bad feeling You hope sometimes. you're at that level. Yeah. You hope that, like, oh, if I get this really right, maybe I'll just be – but I'm not yet. I'm not at that level. I have to go away and work harder on my material and what I bring to the table and to get to that, you know, to be yeah, able to achieve what I want to do. there's something to be said for actually having that feeling. Like, you'd hate to think that you go, well, that, that is my best and that's all my best right. can High get. High five, nailed it, I'm done. Yeah, drop. I do my nothing. set. Do my set. Drop the microphone and just go. That's comedy. <laughs> and then just get a samurai sword and commit harikari and just go. That well, that's really that's all I have left to do right now. <laughs> well, imagine that. And then imagine the next, then Sarah Silverman, who was emceeing your gala, has to somehow awkwardly shove your carcass off stage. Imagine if that, like, I got a standing ovation. Three thousand people stand up, and I just start stabbing myself. <laughs> oh God! Keeps keep applauding. Keep applauding. Oh, it's just making it worse. <laughs> Why won't he stop? <laughs> I had, uh, I had for mine, I had the uh, the thing of uh, what is one of the sometimes one of the major negatives of doing the, the Montreal Festival is that you are being asked to run a television spot in uh, stand-up rooms right. beforehand. Yes. And you can't adjust because you've actually got someone at the back of the room with a clipboard who's Checking. judging your material. And so you've got to do your safe set. Well, not safe, but safer set. Yes. Not a club set. And you You're can't doing adjust the, for the room no. on the night at all. And the thing with comedy that we all know is you want to adjust to the room. Exactly. Got, right. And uh, so I had – like the gigs that I did when I got into town were okay. I'd left LA. I think the last gig I did uh, was uh, at uh, a wonderful room called The Virgil that you have played yes. on. Yeah. It's beautiful. And was very happy. Got on the plane, feeling ready to go, did the obligatory gigs uh, that I needed to do when I got into town. They were okay. And I had one more, but it was happening after my gala spot. So I thought, well, at that point, I don't need to do my TV set. I could do it, but I could Mm -hmm. change it up or just do whatever I want. 
So, uh, but it was one of those things that, uh, and I think I bumped into you, and my spot was either that night or the next night, and you said, "Oh, you know, how are you feeling?" And I said, "I'm, I'm." perfectly ready to get up now the next gig i need to do is on that gala stage because if i do one more club gig where it only kind of goes so so right. i know in my head i know in my head it's this purely because of the, the environment yeah but there's something now it's starting to have me go should i be changing something here that is a weird thing about that festival essentially they get the best comedians in in the world into town then make them do a series of gigs to run down their confidence yeah <laughs> And I had I'd changed my material uh, around. You and I had had a discussion about this. We were uh, at a room, uh, the Comedy Magic Club here in, in LA. And uh, it was thankfully one of those nights where you do two gigs in one night. So I did the earlier show and then the late show. And then uh, I'd sort of said, look, I'm not sure about my opening. And you agreed it needed just something. And I was talking to another comic backstage. And he had mentioned to me that his closing gag, which is his big finisher, he had moved to the start of his gig for the second show because he said, I'm just finishing on my really, really strong stuff and I'm opening with my B stuff. And he said, when I think about it, I should open with my best stuff and better to get them quickly and then kind of finish with something that's almost as good but not quite, but by that stage it's all fine. That Louis- Rather than save your best thing for the end and by that stage it might be too late. It might not work because you haven't got them. Exactly. But also Louis uh, does that a lot when he's developing new material. Sure. He puts his best stuff at the start and then you have to work harder on the, on the finish. other stuff. Exactly. Yeah. So um, so I'd worked that out, but it was I hadn't quite gotten it smooth enough yet. It was a bit of a clunky start, but it got me into where I needed to be and got a, a big, strong laugh early, which is what I was missing before. Mm-hmm. It was a slow burn. So uh, much like last time with the whole dancing thing, we were we went out for a rehearsal in the afternoon and there's a weird sort of thrust thing going on on the yep. stage. Just, you, could, you walk out to do your set and you've got audience members kind of to either side of you that when you're standing there is fine. But it sort of feels a bit weird. And I was just kind of taking it in on the day going, hmm, this is weird. And I did say, are there going to be people there? Is that going to be weird? And they said, no, no, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. So then just before I came out, because uh, I was third on, I saw uh, Eddie Izzard has opened the show. He goes to do his first introduction and he goes side of stage where now the uh, audience members who were looking straight ahead at a thrust stage that was sticking out, Eddie has now moved, if you imagine looking straight ahead to a performer, they slowly start moving to your left, to your left, to your left, as they come around back to the main stage off the thrust that sticks out. Right. Suddenly, in the camera shot, I can see two or three audience members who are literally looking directly to their left shoulder up to see Eddie standing there. And there's part of me going, that looks so weird. Somebody say that looks weird. And nobody did. And I was like, right, okay. Uh, Eddie didn't mention it. It's the top of the show. There are still two acts to go. If someone mentions it, or more importantly, if Eddie does, doesn't mention it, then I think I'm going to say something because it looks weird to me. And it felt like I wanted to turn around to say to everybody, does this look weird or is it just me? Yeah. And of course, instead of doing that like a sane person would, yeah. I've walked out, and as I'm walking out, I'm at in my head going, yeah, it does. Like, look at that guy. That's a weird spot to be sitting. And it's on the other side of the stage as well. This is weird. So I walked out, stood there, and then instead of just on the Montreal International Just for Laughs Comedy Festival stage, <laughs> going into the routine that I've rehearsed till it is now just pull the string and let it come out, I stop, take a breath, look down at the guy on the right and just say, is that weird for you sitting there? And he says, no. 
And I said, right, what about now? And I moved side to where Eddie was. And he says, well, kind of. And I said, what about now? And I took a step back. What about now? Until I literally walked off the stage to I was behind the, the set going, what about now? It's awkward now, isn't it? And then kind of, and I made a joke about, well, it's awkward because I'm also, I've, I've taken my pants off in the meantime. But now I'm in my head going, what the fuck are you doing? You're off stage. You are off st- Firstly. People, but people love you in Montreal. They're like, I love that crazy guy who says like weird shit at the start. And that, he, that kind of shtick he does, like he doesn't know what he's doing. Do he? So he I'm now going. Like it's his first- I'm now going in my head, well, now fucking what? Yeah. There was even a part of me that went, am I quick enough to run all the way around the oh. back and come back on the way I did initially? I mean... No, you're not. No, but, you're not. But it would have been hilarious. It would have been brilliant. Like, Keep talking, right. but, but try not to make it sound like you're running. Yeah. So then I'm like, well, okay, I'll walk back out. And it's a long walk back out to the thrust. And in my head, I'm going, right, well, I've given them an edit point now yeah. so they can lose all this. I just go straight into my routine. Yes. And, and they can pick it up and it doesn't matter. But at the same time, I'm panicking. Uh, unfortunately, I'm in like, the documentary, we're only showing that bit. Yeah. <laughs> That and the dancing bit from the year before. Yeah, that's just. <laughs> so now I'm like, well, I gotta, I gotta get into my routine. Right. I need to now lose a minute. Because the to- yeah, because you've got it, and they- well, you, you well, not you got told the night before your gala spot. You're a yep. minute too long. Yep, minute too long. So and and yes, it is that specific. So I was like, well, I've probably killed my minute now. So I'm walking back out, what feels like a long walk, but they're still with it, so it's all fine. So now in my head, I'm going, you got to get into your routine, jump ahead a minute. Which means losing everything that kind of was the clunky setup. So now you're getting straight into a bit that needs it. You somehow you need to find your way to get naturally back into your routine right. because you only had one natural in, and that was the start. Yeah. And you've lost. You've that lost now. that. You can't do that anymore. So then I still thought we'll just keep riffing until something comes. So then I started talking with this guy, and eventually I kind of clicked into something. And then I was away, and it was all fine. And then I had probably a similar look to you had afterwards, where I came off stage, and it went really, really well. I was really, really happy with it. And uh, walked backstage, just nice little rounds of applause from everybody. And I just looked ashen-faced and people are going, did you not think that went well? And I went, no, 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 it was great, it was great. I said, but that could have gone horribly wrong. Right. Like who walks out on What stage? sort of terrible decisions am I making? What am I doing? I'm crazy. What is wrong with me? Yeah. Am I intentionally tr- – why can't I just walk out and do just tell your the jokes. set as You've you were told? It. They're reading a piece of paper. My manager, our manager is gone, did you change some stuff? I'm going, yes. And I don't know why. No. What is wrong with me? But of there is all the times and places to right. do it. So stupid. I mean, and it's it, am- I mean, it all went perfectly fine, but it was like it's amazing what will throw you though, because you won't see this on the special. But just before I went on, Sarah did this thing, and it wasn't a Sarah bit because sometimes when you're hosting the galas, there they have the writers write some local. Well, sort also of- because she had done a special that had aired there, yes, uh, either this year or last year, and one of the rules is you can't do material that has been seen on Canadian television. That's right. So she months. couldn't do her own gear. So exactly. she was doing a lot of like bits and pieces. They'd so they'd done this thing about gay marriage, and it was really kind of it was a bit hacky to be honest and the audience didn't really love it well, and it wasn't her no and in in that week uh, beforehand i'd flipped my gay marriage montreal bit to the start oh. right and to open with because i thought it's a good local bit i can talk about you know being here and then they've just done this thing that they didn't like and now i'm in my own head going <laughs> oh god i've just got this thing and i'm opening with it now and 
Anyway, of course, everybody else was like, oh, no, I thought that seemed like you were just well, roofing off the Well, that was the, the thing. I kind of, once I'd gotten over the panic of that was really uh, a dumb thing to do, I kind of went, but at the same time, I feel it came off as it was, which just was very natural. real. Yeah. And I don't know that anybody else on that stage tonight, that at the very least it would stand out as, well, there was that guy, and not just because he had his accent, but that kind of, it was a bit looser because everyone is obviously just doing their material straight through. It's amazing how different it also feels. Like, you know, you sit in a room, like it's funny, we did the live podcast and honestly it was, I mean, people will be able to hear it so you can make up your own mind, but in the room with the laughs, they just were consistent for like 70 minutes. There was probably one or two times in 70 minutes where people didn't laugh for say 40 seconds or 45 seconds, right? But when you're on stage, that feels like an eternity. You feel like we've lost them. Even though you've just done 40 minutes in a row of everybody loving it, you go like a couple of jokes that don't work and you feel like you've lost them. Yeah, absolutely. Whereas when you're in the audience, you never feel like that. Like, no. I mean, when you're watching a show, if you're loving the show, you can even, like I can be loving a show and tune out for a minute or two and tune back in. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? It's not like, you know, so I think it's very different from the performance point of, and you have to sometimes remember that. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I will show you a thing that we had to cut out of, well, that we cut out because we we like this performer and it wasn't his fault. But he also had a uh, wonky start. And I'm not telling t- tales out of school because right. 3,000 people have seen this. <laughs> like, this is not, you know. But Danny Boy. Um, yeah, sure. Got, Kathy Griffin was hosting his gala and she made some crack, just well, some line just before he came out. I'll show you it uh, later, but because um, I've just got the little edit of it because it's just hilarious. Um, but he, she made some crack about him being, I think, funny and attractive or something that he didn't obviously, you know, love as his introduction. Because sure. like Danny's very funny and I, yep. I'm sure he likes to be seen as more than just, you know, funny and attractive, you know what I mean? But anyway, he did this whole thing about what, you know, people who are fat and shit and we all know. I mean, it's I mean, it's amazing to look at. Because As in, this was obviously just based off what Based Kathy off that. Said. Like, very much had one of your moments, but it was wow. almost like a meltdown. <laughs> like, he got a, Like, when he went into his material, he completely got sure. him back. But it was just him being thrown by, obviously, them saying something that he didn't expect. And he did that comedian thing of going, I'm going to deal with that instead of... Just going, who and cares? I think because normally and you could steady the ship because you go, well, it's either it's your crowd for your show right. or I'm in a club and it's all very manageable. But when you're in a big theatre space, you know, double, triple tiered high, you know, thousands of people, the idea of I can steady this ship is not as forthcoming as you would like it to be there's a part of you going actually you probably can't so don't panic you know don't don't just assume that oh, this will be fine so you will have the fear that you don't normally have yes one of the great things after that was um i ended up um i had a set list booked oh yes for, for afterwards and there was part of me uh that uh, uh had a great night um i had uh, uh Caught up with Eddie afterwards, and uh, he said, well, "You know, what are you doing now?" And I said, "Look, I'm going to go do set list." And he said, "Oh, I might come too." Mm. So we both went along um, on the night. Judah Freelander was on, Sean Cullen, and and Eddie's decided he's going to pop up as well. And so I was put on sort of somewhere in the middle, and had. Uh, well, I'll say it so that you don't have to say it. Oh no, no, no. I, oh, I was going to oh. say just at this point. Okay, all right. Uh, someone said to me, like, I went to get up and do my bit, and somebody uh, said, uh, "You know, how are you feeling?" And I said, "This will either, this is going to go one of two ways. 
it will either be the icing on the cake of a great night. Uh, this will either be the icing on the cake or it will ruin what has been up until this point a great night. Rove, it wasn't just the icing on the cake. It was someone made a cake and they let you eat the icing off it and <laughs> let you throw away the cake. That's <laughs> My mum got on stage and made cake mix. Made cake I mix. Just ate that. It was, I like... I did not get to see it that night because I was obviously I was shooting the thing and I'd done it the night before and it's a midnight show so I couldn't yes, come it's down. Very late. But you killed. Like I mean, on a lineup that had some of the best comedians in the world, you killed. Everyone heard about it. It was. It may have been the best set list I've ever done. Yeah. I've never ever ever had one of the topics that's come up and it was the closer. It was my last one. And again, this is the idea of you get up on stage and they throw topics at you. And you have no idea what it is and you have to make up a stand-up routine yes. out of it. And uh, you know when it's the last one, it will say my big closer. Yes. And I've been going well up until this point and I've never had one of these ones. I've seen you do it. I've seen other people do it where the topic comes up and for whatever reason, your brain it just gives you the gift of here's the one-liner. Yep. It kills Bang, and you're out. good night, yep. I'm done. And I had that, and I've never had that before. It was the perfect night to have it. And I was talking to um, my uh, wife afterwards because uh, she wanted to hear how the night went. And I said, you know what? I, and uh, th- it was the next day, actually. And reading the reviews and everything of the gala the night before, because um, I was like, oh, well, you know, be interested to see you know, how everybody went. Yep. And I was mentioned in a couple, um, but not singled out. Right, there was yeah. no, oh, that guy, it was just, yeah, this person was good, this person was good, and I was one of the people that yeah. was good. But there was nothing in there that would kind of have you go, keep an eye out, circle this name in the calendar. Absolutely. Uh, Ronnie Chang was, Ronnie and I'm Chang very, was. very happy to say that. Yeah. But it was uh, still okay for me because I was like, yeah, but I was really happy with what I did. Yep. And I had a great night, and then the, the gig afterwards was great as well. And as I was saying to my wife, she said, how was it? I said, well, considering that the last time I was here was only a couple of years ago. And I was just kind of wandering around, especially at the end of gigs and stuff, because I didn't know anybody, really, really know anybody, to sort of hang out. There was no one to hang out with, because there was no one there that I knew at all. There was a couple of people I'd done Chelsea Lately with and stuff, but that was about it. To consider that now, only a couple of years down the track, I'm back and I'm able to hang out with the people that everyone wants to hang out with, because I know them. Uh, and and have a night that I walked away going that was really great. To me is kind of well then I've I've achieved what I needed to achieve. At the same time, like you, there's still well I next time I can be the guy that gets singled out. There's still right. some work. Well, because that that's be your. Done. I mean, but that gives you the confidence to then. I mean, I think it's very hard to just go over and go. Well, I want to be this because it's a very hard thing to like. You need to kind of go up in incremental steps. Like I yeah. mean, occasionally someone will have a breakout year, like Ronnie did, because he's such an amazing act. But even he will then have to regroup and. You know, go oh, back and, and see if you can not, do it again. You're not a new face anymore or people right. might know you or have seen you and are kind of like, well, yeah, that's what he does. I, I get that. Yeah. So, so um, But at the end of it, I just kind of went, well, you know, if, if I said to myself three years ago, like last time I was here, if right. I jumped in my little time machine and I've come back and yep. I said, uh, so next time you're here, uh, you'll be hanging out with this person and this person and this person because they're friends of yours and you'll be hanging out afterwards and having drinks and you'll be doing – gigs with them and you will hold your own more than enough that's all you want you just want to feel you like go, you belong yeah. in that company if if i said it's you're losing the grand final by 15 points i'd yeah, take it you'd take it yeah you'd take <laughs> it um uh we should finish this up but i do want to mention about the grand final just one uh 
little uh, weird thing. And I do sure. actually, next time you're on, um, want to uh, talk about the fact that you have made a lady pregnant with your baby. I, I'd done sex with my wife. I know. And, and uh, yes, going uh, uh, to be a dad, which Congratulations. is really weird. It's pretty you. exciting. It's very exciting. But I would like to talk about that more fully when you know, it's closer to and we can we can do that sort of thing. And we'll grab you for uh, when you're out in Australia for Just for Last, what you're coming Definitely. out to do those shows. So the same pe- people who do the Montreal shows are doing shows in Sydney. Um, and we'll plug them in a minute. But I just wanted to mention something that was just a bit weird about Grand Final Day. People who've listened to this podcast before know that my accountant uh, used to be in the band Hunters and Collectors, who were yes. a very famous Australian band. Yes. And they reformed after year, maybe 15, 20 years of not playing together. They reformed and were the halftime entertainment and after show entertainment at the AFL Grand Final. So on Grand Final Day, I sat and cheered my accountant. <laughs> Who was playing at the middle? Strangely, playing keyboards. He's normally a trombone guy. Right, yeah. <laughs> that was the weird part got for a, me. Got a receipt for it, though, yeah. so that was fine. <laughs> I, I feel like it's all a tax dodge of some kind. I did get an email from him the other day to remind me that I haven't done my tax from last year. So he's still keeping his eye on his day job. God, he's so he hasn't dropped the ball at all. No, I'd like to say that. People can find you on uh, Who Say. Yes. How do they find you on Who uh, Say? Just uh, whosay.com and then type in my name. You'll find me. There's a world of other people are there as well. And uh, then they, they can kind of access all your stuff through yep, online and you stuff through Who Say. to uh, my page and it just links you in with all my social media stuff and uh yeah i will be implementing they've, they've got new stuff that's coming through all the time like uh for for fans who do subscribe to your page they can get updates on what you're up to they're even creating an online magazine that will be just dedicated to you it's all wow. very exciting yeah that's really cool uh, and of course at rove on twitter and uh yeah gigs are happening at uh the end of october i think it's 1920 at the opera house in sydney but uh just for laughs sydney uh, and uh, tickets uh, uh, available, I'm sure, to that. Uh, I'm going to give a quick plug. This will probably go up on uh, Wednesday of this week. So tomorrow night, I am at uh, I'm in Canberra. I think that's sold out, but they, uh, we released our comps, you know, so there might be like you know a few random tickets if people want to come and see the show in Canberra at the Canberra Theatre Centre on Thursday night. And on Friday night, I'm at uh, DY. First time I've ever oh, played DY. Cool. Yeah, I know. It's like we uh, Sydney this year because you know what Sydney's like. People don't go anywhere. So we did like three shows at the end more, but we did, um, I, I went and did uh, Chatswood the other night and that was nice. fantastic. Like it was great. Yeah, big, huge crowd there. And um, I've got uh, the Sutherland Shire is the last uh, gig, uh, Sutherland Shire Entertainment Centre. So um, I'd love to see you at those shows. Last three shows, the Goodwill Tour, it's been on the road for seven months. So I'd love if people would come out and see the last few shows. So that'll be fun. And then I have to start my new show. So I'm doing uh, two weeks of work in progress shows at the Sydney Comedy Store end of October and early November they are 15 bucks uh, and they will be muck around maybe there'll be questions maybe it'll be improv maybe I'll be trying it might be different every night I'm not really sure uh, be warned but if that sounds <laughs> like the sort of thing that you would enjoy and fuck you listen to this podcast so probably is uh, please come and see those shows I, I think they'll be really cool fun uh, Rove thank you very much thanks for having me 